Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace, everyone. I have a special guest today. Her name is Julie Glenn. Julie Glenn has a book that I will not say the title of until she introduces it. Um, Julie, it's your time. You're on the floor. Tell the audience the name of your book and about you. I've gotten so much positive feedback on the title of my book. It's called, If My Ass Were Smaller, Life Would Be Perfect, and Other Lies the Mean Girl in Your Head Tells You. Okay, so Julie, please tell my audience a little bit about where you're from, but not too much detail because we don't want any stalkers. But tell them about your background and what made you want to write this book. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that every chapter title is a lie that the mean girl in your head tells you. For example, you'll never measure up. Um, you should never have eaten that. Um, things like that. So, and we've all got that mean girl in our head. Um, I forgot the question you asked. <laughs> um, I wanted you to uh, tell them a little about, about your book. Uh, audience, let me tell you this real quick. This is Julie Glenn, Julie's first podcast. So <laughs> running, running around doing this uh, podcast like she was very eager. And this is her first time on air doing this. So we're going to give her... Um, our open arms and we're going to give her some wings with this. Um, treatment. Yeah, we'll give you some good treatment on this one. So um, I was asking you, you tell a little bit about yourself and then um, we'll, we'll switch it around. Let's go into the actual detail of the book. This okay. mean girl, where, mm -hmm. when did your mean girl start and when did you decide to take ownership of the mean girl? Well, that's a good, that's a really good question. See, I think that our mean girl starts from a very young age, I think that the bigger question would be, when did you recognize that there was a mean girl and that you could make a transformation in the message that she's giving you? I think that's the bigger question. And um, for me, I know as long as I can remember, there's always been a voice in my head that said, you can't do that. That would be stupid. You'll embarrass yourself. Just stay home. Don't take that risk. Or, you know, you look like a fool or you need to lose weight. That voice has always been there for us, like, I think as long as probably most of us can remember. And for some of us, it goes on a lifetime. But for some of us, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. We're not going to do this anymore. You know how they say, don't let your worst enemy live between your ears? Yes. Your mean girl. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, when did you um, decide to like accept that you had to combat with this mean girl? Like w when did you like what period of time in life, like what age, what date? You don't have to get that specific, but what happened to make you want to get in the ring and box with the mean girl? You know, I think when the, the, the transformation for me happened was several years ago when I started becoming a coach and I started helping other people. And it's it's like, you know, even though you're helping other people, you kind of think about how does this apply to myself? And that's when I started to realize, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm encouraging other people to step out and to take a risk and to challenge their negative thinking. So then it was like, well, maybe I need to take some of that and think about it in myself as well. And then, you know, they always say a good coach works with a coach. So 
through that last couple of years of, you know, working on myself at the same time that I'm providing services for someone else, started to uncover my own thinking and what was going on. Okay. And um, in doing that, you decided to write a book over other platforms, correct? I did. I decided to write my book for two reasons. Well, one of them is I felt like I had to write a book. It's not like I decided kind of like, oh, I want to. I had something in me I needed to say. And what kind of solidified it was before I was a, a coach, I used to be a teacher. Okay. And part of a real s- small portion of when I was a teacher, I supervised um, students learning to be a teacher. Okay. And so I would go to the school and a young new teacher they were juniors in college so they were doing their very first solo lessons and I would go and observe for 45 minutes and then they got a grade and I had to critique them and I remember one student I had and I felt badly for them because they were so nervous and like nobody's gonna fail but they're scared and I remember this one girl she gave a lesson in math and then she set her students off to work independently and then pretty soon a hand came up And then another hand came up and another hand. And she's just like running around the room, hitting every one of these kids questions. And I could hear because, you know, I'm in the classroom with her. They're all asking the same question. And she's just running as fast as she can to to deliver the, the new instruction or additional instruction individually to each one of them. And when we were all done and we had our opportunity to come together or to discuss what was going on, I told her, when that happens, you get the first question, okay, when the second kid and the third kid raise their hand, bring the class back together and deliver your message again as a group. Don't try to run around and do it one-on-one. And so I noticed when I was coaching, I'd be on a call with a client and it would come up and I'd do a one-on-one. Same thing would come up. I'd do a one-on-one. Same thing would come up. I'd do a one-on-one. And I was like, okay, I got to pull this together and send it out to the masses. This one-on-one on one-on-one, obviously there's a message here that people need to hear or I would it wouldn't be coming up over and over again. And so that's when it was like, I was just like, I have something that needs to be said. <laughs> and so that's kind of like where the book took hold is bring that classroom back together and deliver the message to the masses. Okay, so. okay I get that. Now, this is one thing I, I ask, authors and sometimes we edit this out and sometimes we keep it in hopefully we get to keep this part in day one when you're writing a book where do you start like do you have paper in front of you or are you typing on a computer do you got a brother a type typewriter where, where are you starting right. at? well I fortunately my content editor is one of my dearest friends and we became friends and I knew she was a she's a book author or not a book author, a book coach, an author's coach and a content editor. And we would talk on the phone and we'd met at a conference a couple of years ago. But we would talk on the phone and we would you know, we were colleagues. We'd bounce ideas off. And then one time I just casually had mentioned to her, I'm going to write a book someday. It's in, I know it's in my in my destiny. I'm going to write a book. And she's like, what? Why haven't you said anything? You know, this is what I do. We've been talking. Um, so I got started, but it's funny because over the course of the last couple of years, I've frequently said to her, 
I must be the worst author you've ever worked with because I didn't work linear. I, I started in the middle. Sometimes my chapters started in the middle. It's like <laughs> I have something I have to say. And I would just take my computer out and I would say it. And then I would be like, well, this, there needs to be a lead into this. You know, I'm obviously in the very beginning, middle of the chapter, and I need to lead it in. Fortunately, with my book, um, I could write my chapters in all sorts of different order. I did. You know, I, I felt like, oh, here's what I need to say. And I would write it down. And then at the very end, we kind of wrote it all out and then place the chapters in the order that we thought they should go. But one of the chapters that's towards probably the end, I'd say it's like maybe chapter 11 or 12, and I only have like 14. It was one of the first chapters I wrote. Oh, wow. But it ended up at the end of the book, because by the time we laid things out sequentially, that's where it fit. So I am the worst person to ask about process, because... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... When, so after you got your book um, put put together, like the proofreading and the, the criticism, because I always ask people about this because, you know, you have to understand when you're telling your story right now on this podcast, you're telling a story to help the next person with your message, but the next upcoming author. And, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that I, I like to detail a lot because, you know, your process, just because you think it was scrambled, it might be the next process that someone else needs to do to write a book. It might be what's holding somebody back is because they're not doing it. Like I didn't have an outline. You know, I I see people say, Oh, you know, you you create your outline and you do this. I'm like, what outline? I just would. I mean, honestly, God, I would take a shower and I'd be like, Oh my God, I got to get the computer because I got an idea and I would hurry up and go run and write down everything I thought about while I was just in the shower. Okay, so or I would take a long walk and come home, <laughs> and my husband would be like, he'd see me come in from like going for a walk or a run, and I'd like hold my arms up, don't even talk to me, and run straight to the computer. I'm like, I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so your book is proofread. Um, you find grammatic errors, clerical things, you get all that stuff straight now. How did you handle the criticism from people? Like, because you send your book out and you let people read things, you um, you get things told around and doing different things with it. How did you handle criticism uh, for the chapters and things you wrote when you sent it off to someone to get them to critique it? Actually, I'm glad you circled back to that. Um, I'm in a whole bunch of Facebook groups that pertain to my topic, which is body acceptance, um, transform, you know, transforming the mean girl, controlling your thoughts. Um, there were a couple of chapters I had that were, um, highly, I would say more instructional than other chapters. And I wanted clarity on my message. And so I went into some of my Facebook groups. Well, I'll tell you specifically, it was my chapter on intuitive eating. And there's a lot of detail and there can be a lot of questions about it. So I went into my groups that have, that are based on intuitive eating. And I asked if anybody would be willing to read that chapter in isolation and give me feedback on the flow and clarity. And I got a ton of people that responded. I mean, I'm going to say like 40 or 50 people responded and I was so scared. And I told my husband, I was like, you're going to have to brace me because I'm sure I'm going to get some 
feedback that's going to hurt my feelings. And so I was prepared. I'm like, okay, get my, my tough skin, you know, my thick skin. And honestly, that didn't happen. I haven't had a single person come back to me yet and say, this doesn't make sense. Or you should, you know, like Kevin O'Leary says on the shark tank, you should take this behind the barn and kill it. No, I mean, I've got, I got feedback that was like, you should explain this area right here just a little bit more because I was, it, it's good, but it was just a little confusing right here. But other than that, I haven't got anybody that said anything like that's nobody's hurt my feelings. Okay. <laughs> I got a lot of, wow, that was so helpful or, oh my gosh, you told the story in such a way it really made sense to me um there's a little bit in the beginning of my book where I well it kind of addresses a little bit more about when you asked about mean girl and just her discovery and there are a couple of specific very personal experiences that happened to me that I share in the beginning and I've gotten feedback on those as well where people have been like you just really open up and shared yourself in, in such a deep way um, that I haven't, I mean, I'm sure it will come, but I haven't yet gotten the challenges that, you know, some things I say is like, I think this is how this works, do X, Y, and Z, and this will work. And I'm sure at some point somebody's going to be like, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Your method is, is flawed. You know, it hasn't happened yet, but, I'm sure it will. So in the meantime, I'm still working on that, you know, developing the thick skin so that when okay. it does come. <laughs> and the one thing I did like that she said that someone gave you constructive criticism with merit, like explain this a little bit more. And you took that without, you know, it hurting you because so many authors I talk to, not everyone's so strong. And, you know, it, the best feedback that you're getting is from people that don't know you. And to, right. get, to get such positive reviews, that's amazing. So we're going to flip this topic real quick. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into this book. Okay. Um, and, and I do, and I always do these scenarios with everyone. Um, I'm a young man. I'm a young female. And I'm having these issues of this, this person inside of my head, because we all have person, people inside our heads, um, telling me that, um, I, I'll, I'll use me as an example, Um when I was growing up, I wore husky pants. So I was taught, my mom always taught me that being husky was amazing. But when I got to school and I had on those Arizona jeans and they were green and they were husky, there was a kid beside me that was small. And because I have a, a really uh, high self-esteem, nothing like that ever bothered me because I just couldn't dwell on it. But I had a cousin, I had a sister that they were husky too. And they couldn't handle that what would you tell a young person a teenager what can they do at age 13 and 14 when we become body conscious uh you know we're looking at people magazine we're looking at everywhere um for what we're supposed to look like that's who we're supposed to be um what would you tell that young person or would you tell your young self back then that you know now that's tough because this goes back into my teaching background because a lot of the things that I talk about is um, they're higher order thinking skills, which sometimes aren't fully developed yet 
in the age range that you're talking about. So the first thing you have to, to understand is that to, to be okay with yourself and to be totally self-accepting is something that comes, I think, more strongly with maturity. You can start, uh, by all means, plant that seed. And I did, because like I said, I worked in special ed and, and my favorite age group generally was the adolescent age range. But you can start to plant the seed. of, um, And what I present in my book is your own thoughts are what affect your feelings and your actions and the results that you get. And so somebody, your example, Somebody thinks that your cousin is, you know, has a bad thought about your cousin because she's wearing husky jeans. That's that other person's thoughts, feelings, actions, results. That has nothing to do with your cousin. She's in charge of her own. I call it think, feel, do, get. So your cousin is completely in charge of what she thinks, what she feels, what she does, and what she gets. Okay, and then the other thing that I noticed, like, because I looked on your website, um, a, a good thing, you know, to, to start their, their mental pattern, like to get your mindset, will be stop believing the lies, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And you get to decide whether they're lies or not. That's the thing. Well, and I mentioned this in my book, too, is we take our, we take our own mean girl and we go put her in someone else's head. And then use it against us. Like we'll be walking along or in the grocery store or whatever. And somebody will just kind of give us a, a passing look. And immediately we're like, oh, dang, you see that? That person probably thinks I'm fat. I, they're up there and they're probably right. I should go on a diet. I knew, I knew I looked like crap today. And I could just tell by the way that person looked at me. So now we just took our mean girl, put her in someone else's head and used it against us. And so that's another one of those lies, you know, it's like, where's this coming from? And just because someone else, even if they said something, even if they walk by and they say, hey, you look like crap today, that's their thought. That's their issue. That's not yours. You don't have to take that on. It's an option to, to be like, it's not my issue. Hey, I look fabulous today. <laughs> and you can believe that if you want. And that's the thing too, is like, if you get to choose what you think, well, then why wouldn't you choose really good things? Yeah, positivity, right? Yeah, why would you choose to tell, oh, I'm going to, like, you know, I mean, we all do it, though. You know I mean? We wake up, we look in the mirror, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I think I have a wrinkle I didn't have yesterday. Oh, I'm getting old. Look at, I, you know, things are going to hell. It's like, you don't have to take that on as a, as a thought. You can choose anything you want. And even if you do have a wrinkle, even if it's an absolute positive fact, yes, I have a new wrinkle that I didn't have yesterday. That doesn't have to be bad. It can be like a yay. At least I'm still alive from yesterday. You right, know, right, right. growing and mm -hmm. aging. And that's a good thing. And so that's the other thing. You get to decide, do I want this to be a good thing or a bad thing? So if you get a pick, then pick good things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now uh, here comes this moment that I always have in the show, and I've gotten more deeper into it with season three, which audience, we are in season three. Um, I have this 2020 moment. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. This is that Diane Sawyer, that Barbara Walters, that hard hitting question. And this is the most personable question that I'm going to ask you right now. And you're not ready for this, but I'm going to um, ask you to do this um, real fast. We're talking about body positivity. We're talking about self-esteem. We're talking about all these agents that you're using to build someone up. And we're not going to take anything away from your book by this question I'm about to ask, but it's really personal right now. What happened on that day in your life to make you, because I know we, we ask a roundabout question all through the episode, but what happened one day to make you, like, what happened that day that you decided that, that hey, I'm not going to let this voice take me down? Like, what day was it? What incident what happened to truly transform you because everybody has an incident um I, i'll give you a great example about me real fast um i had done this podcast for a while and i stopped for almost a year and i came back mm -hmm. to it after a lot of tragic events that i spoke with you about privately i had to come back and not be a voice for the world but let other people's voices be heard because of all the travel i do so i just mm -hmm. realized that that my personal tragedy i needed to come up out of that so to heal from that I meet different people that don't know what they're doing at the time, but they do know that they're helping me. So at the moment when I had my tragedy, it just turned me around. That day that that happened, a month later, I realized, hey, I need to get back into this. I need to spread positivity. I need to get conscious of, of our mental health. Mm -hmm. I'm just conscious of a few pop culture things to help other people out, but mental health is the key, the thing that I need to work on. So what day and what time, what happened in your life to make you decide that you were going to be this transformational life coach? Um, you were going to be anti-diet. What happened? What day did that happen? Well, I'll tell you this, okay? I know exactly when it happened exact minute but don't exactly take, but don't, but listen don't take away from your book don't take away as from i'm going to tell you right now i'm not going to tell you because you know what it's in my book okay it totally tells you straight up in my book where i was what was happening when it, when the first time i realized hold on we've made progress there's no mean girl here right now there's a supportive voice in my head that says you're going to make it. Okay, this. so let's put a spin on this real quick because I always like to spin things. This book, if mm -hmm. my ass were smaller, life would be perfect. Where can the audience find this book? Right now, they can only find it on my website. And plug your website, please. It's www.julieglynn.com and it's G-L-Y-N-N. Okay. And I what, my last okay, and what else on this website can people find there? Right now? <laughs> Great question. Right now, really not much else. Um, we're revamping. Well, you know, this is just a, a little side note, I'll tell you, unlike the business, the business aspect of building. And okay. that is, I've been told, don't worry about your website. Don't worry about having a perfect presence. Just get out there and serve the people and in time deal with technology. And so that's kind of where we're at right now is like my website hasn't been updated in I think over a year, maybe two. It had a different domain name, which we're not even using anymore. And so my web designer is 
busy, busy, busy right now redoing my entire website with the exception of the one page that's hosting um, the pre-order phase that we're in right now. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Is your book going to be available uh, on Amazon? It will. Yeah. What we, what we decided to do, well, I don't know. You probably tell by now I'm a little bit of a chatterbox and talking and presenting isn't always difficult for me. And I had anticipated that we were going to have a, um, a live launch. I wanted to do, you know, open it up to the public and have everybody come out and read part of my book and do a Q and a and all that fun stuff. And, um, Interestingly enough, 2020 seems to not be allowing those types of activities to occur. <laughs> yes, COVID-19 has shut us all down. It's brought us to the Zoom meeting. Yes. yes. So I decided that instead I would do um, a pre-order launch period. Okay. So right now my book is not available um, because we're still doing the little final things um review um for the you know how you put reviews in the back of the book and all that stuff we're getting those right now and finishing up the final little details and then it'll go to the printer so i decided to do a pre-order um period that it's a little bit better package than what you get on amazon because you get my book and they get a signature okay. um from me and you get the Kindle edition. And then I have a special surprise that we've been working on that I'm going to include in my book. And that will be also in there in the pre-order package. And so right now it's in pre-order. That will stop when we go to the when we go to print. Okay. Then it'll stop. After the books come back and they get sent out to everybody on pre-order, I think I don't know how long it takes for them to format and get things set up in Amazon, but I'm guessing there'll be a period of time that pre-order people will have already received, but it won't be available yet to the public on Amazon. Okay. okay. And one thing, like, since you touched on this, um, I, I really, I've, I always talk like the little extra time that we do after the show, before the show, um, we're, we're going to the author aspect of things like publishing your book. Um, how hard was it to get your book published? Because I always ask every author, and a lot of authors ask me to cut this out because they're like, hey, we don't want to discourage somebody. But it's a lot more than just writing the book, getting it proofread. And then it is. Um, you know, there's a lot of misconception. I think I think a lot of kudos I get from people, they have this misconception that like I got picked up by Random House or something. Um, we self-published, but that being said, now when I look at what, you know, because there's a lot of self-published authors that are authors that are like, oh, the dream is that after your book comes out, someone like Random House will pick it up and then you'll be, you know, a, a Nico Sparks or Stephen King or, you know, and um, right now I feel like I never want that to happen because you lose, they, they own your book. You don't, you can't make any changes. You don't get to do anything. So um, I encourage people to consider strongly self-publishing. Um, what happened with me, and I think I was lucky, like I said, I had a friend who was a book author and she hooked me up and I'm sure people, there's a lot of people up and it's just a matter of finding the right ones. But I actually have a little, you know, I have a small team. I have my content editor. I have a copy editor who did, um, 
you know, all my comma, <laughs> misplaced commas <laughs> and semicolons. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah, that was like a nightmare when that came back. <laughs> um, and then I have a person who does um, my cover design and my formatting and getting everything set up for Amazon and publication. A lot of people do it on their own. I kind of felt like, you know, I'm the only one who can write my book. And so I don't want to spend my time formatting or even learning how to format because no one else can write my book. Nobody can edit my content. Nobody can go deeper for better understanding than me. And so we decided let's hire somebody to do the, um, the formatting and the uploading it to Amazon. Okay. So, so roundabout self-publishing worked out better for you. Um, and I, thank you for sharing that because like so many people think that you've got to get a, a book get it uh like a side note about me which is really weird i published the book through kdp which is kindle digital Publishing. Uh-huh. That's what we, yeah that's what we use and um when i did that i did you know they they help you out here and there once you get it over to their end of things and i noticed you know you read these contracts and you read different things like if i ever wanted to make a physical book and i was like unless you self-publish the physical book you're going to lose ownership somewhere you're going to be paying someone else to do something where you have a team, you have the skills to market it, obviously, because your real life job, you know, <laughs> it, it's a part of marketing too there. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. All right. Now it comes a point in our episode that I have to ask you something that my audience, <laughs> I ask everyone, um, it can be a talent. It could just be something about you. What is something that no one knows about you or a hidden talent that you have? Because the one that I always use is I have a guy. Uh, he's a rapper in New York City, fairly popular. This guy can take an Arrugas Cube and in 30 to 40 seconds, he can solve it. I'm like, that's the greatest mental function. I don't know what he uses that brain power for beyond writing rhymes or whatever. Uh, he could probably be a nuclear scientist, but I'm like, I can't do that. That's amazing. So it's your turn. You know what? I've listened to your podcast before, so I knew this question was coming. So I wasn't caught off guard. Um, it's a, it's kind of a secret, but there are, and, and I would consider myself lucky that there are still people in my life that know this. I was a horrible student, K to 12, the worst, Whoa. the worst. Um. I don't still have it, but I had recently gotten my um, high school transcript. Uh-huh. And, and I should back up a little bit because this is what makes it even more shocking. I have two master's degrees. What? Yeah, I have two. Um, it's unnecessary. <laughs> I did not need two. Um, but like one of them, I think I was my grades were really, really good in both of my degrees. Um, my first one was traditional where I actually went to college and okay. I was like, I was, I was a mother and um, it's kind of crazy. It's like the, it's like the guy who walked uphill both ways to school, you know? Okay, yes. So, um, this was before they had online. We drove a hundred miles one way twice a week after my kids got out of school so I could attend classes. Whoa. Back in, it was like the early 2000s, I think. 
my kids were in junior high and I worked at their school and we got out at three and we got in the car and we'd usually, we'd pick up a pizza hut and we'd eat pizza in the car and we drove a hundred miles and they sat in the library and did their homework. And then my, I attended my class and then we went home. Um, I got like a 3.7 grade point doing that. Um, and I was a single mom and working full time. So, um, so for me to say I was a horrible, horrible student, K to 12, is kind of like a completely opposite of what I am now. But anyway, I started to say I got my high school transcript one time and I got it so that I could show the students that I worked with. Because like I said, I worked special ed and I worked in high school and it was proof. I put my high school transcript next to my college transcripts. To say, this does not define who you are right now, because this is where I was when I was your age. And I swear, my, I think, I don't remember exactly, I think there was a one what? in my transcript. <laughs> like one point. I don't think it was below one, but I think it was definitely below two, oh. but I don't think it was below one. I'm not laughing at you, but a one, basically, you just showed up to class. I, oh, I, I think I got, I think I got a C <laughs> once <laughs> when I was in high school. I think I got a C in one of my classes. Otherwise, straight D, D plus, D minus, D, is every form of a D. Oh, but there was an occasional, what we called, what I called a flying flag. <laughs> uh-huh. That's crazy. So, so you were a subpar, you weren't even a mediocre student. You were a subpar student in your you went to college, you're a teacher, you have two master degrees. So that's and I wrote a book. And, and wrote let, me, book yeah. let me say this, so this goes into the history on this podcast. That is probably the best secret that I have heard <laughs> because like you make me feel good because like I was I've always been a subpar, I've always loved mediocrity. But you, you were below that, the that was, a, that was I had to look up to see mediocrity. <laughs> And let me add on to, if I would have missed one more day of school, they would have made me repeat the year because I would have exceeded the number of absentees that were allowed. (laughs) Oh, wow. So that's really, so that that right there, like, that's a testament that you can slack through school and still become something. (laughs) I love that. Like that right there, like, you have, I need you to go into public speaking now and do this like hey go to class well, like I said you know I worked with my students in high school and a lot of them were just like you know I, I get it this thing I get it I didn't want to be there either mm-hmm. you know this is a horrible experience for a person to go through high school and my students would just be like you know I mean they're like kicking stones and they're dragging their chin and it's like my world is horrible this is the worst place ever and I'd be like no no look look what happened to me I (laughs) it wasn't any different and now look how I am so um that's but like I said I'm I consider one of my greatest blessings is there are people in my world today who know that which means I still have friends from high school who know that I really (laughs) found out (laughs) I mean man and I mean like that's that's really amazing. Cause like in school, you know, like just tell them from what you're telling. Like like where I'm from in Virginia, 
You know, people got to strive to be in this club, that club. You got to have good grades. And then I see so many people go get an anthropology degree and never do anything in life. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that like right there, you just, that was amazing. And, um, I mean, one of the really good things about it, which I think helped shaped me a lot, my parents did not give me a hard time about it. They didn't. Oh, Julie got another D. Well, Julie got another. And it's like, it must have been so frustrating for them because I didn't realize it at the time. But obviously, I had a lot of potential. I had I had it in me to do fine and to do well because I did. But they just let me find my own way. They didn't, you know, I didn't get a dollar for an A or get grounded for an F. It just, and I got an F one time on purpose because I didn't like the teacher. And I was like, I refuse <laughs> to let him impact me. I refuse to learn from him because I don't like him. My mother supported me. She supported my reason for not liking him. And she supported me for refusing to to learn from him. <laughs> and see, that's a good, great parent. And that way right there, you didn't make a, a Saturday uh, ABC special. I know. Uh, I know. I know. I you know life. Program, probably scared to death. I mean, I would be. I would be like, I would just be like. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's my secret. It's not a secret anymore, I guess. Yeah, like that's really amazing. Like, like I said, that's that's up there in the top. I want to probably say that's the best one as of right now. I hope no one trumps you or anything like that on that part. And um, Julie, I want to thank you so much for coming on West Virginia and Commonplace today. This has um, been really fun. To think I was nervous when we started. And um, <laughs> the one thing is, uh, at the end of the show, I always do this. We have a shout out you know, because you have a team behind you, you have children behind you. Um, take a moment right now and let everybody know a big thank you. You can name people if it's too many. Just let them know that you appreciate them. Well, I do. I appreciate everybody. And I've, I've given this some thought because I have not dedicated my book and I have not wrote my acknowledgments section yet. And I thought, gee, you know, I'm probably better off to not name than to name and not name the right people. So I've my kind of my thought out is my shout out is every single person who's come through my life has impacted me in a way that's made me who I am today. Whether it was good or bad, they touched my world in a way. And so my shout out is pretty much every single person who I've ever come in contact with. You know, including the 90-year-old man that flipped me off one day in the car. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's it made it helped form who I am now. But yeah, I have a great team. I probably will in my book give them a, a named shout out because they've been they've been kind enough to deal with me okay. <laughs> through so, all of this. So to do a quick roundup on everything, because always I have listeners that like skip through certain parts. So mm -hmm. um, and usually I break them up five six things. I throw me into commercials or whatever I need to so I can make my money. Um, so I need you to plug your website. Plug okay. your social media, if you don't mind. Okay. And mm -hmm. then um, we talk about a, an Instagram business Instagram yeah, starting yeah. soon. And I, like, I have like two followers, two posts. Oh. Okay, my website is www.julieglynn. It's J-U-L-I-E-G-L-Y-N-N.com. Um, my Facebook is Julie Glenn, same spelling, coaching. And Instagram is, I believe, 
Julie Glenn coaching as well. Like I said, I just started that. I'm not really very good at it. Um, and then the other thing I was going to throw in there too is that in January or February, the reason why we're going through this huge revamp on my website is my book is kind of like an intro um, springboard. I'll have an online course where we really dive deep into some activities, discussions, working together on, um, like I had said, controlling your thoughts and your feelings and keeping other people's thoughts out of your loop, out of your cycle, um, addressing your mean girl, addressing your you know thoughts about your body, how you feed your body. Um, so that will be coming out right after the first of the year on my website as well, um, where you read the book and then it's like, this is a really good overview, but like, let's really go to work and that okay. will become. Okay. So one thing that I'll extend back out to you um, when we get closer, so it may be December if you want, probably if you <laughs> want it to season four, because like I told you how everything stacks out, um, we would definitely like to have you back. And I say we, I mean, all of the people that listen to the show, uh, I would love to have you back. They would love to definitely have you back after this goes out in the air. Um, <laughs> you, have a, you have a positive message. I would like to have you back on to talk about that again, if you don't mind. Um, about, that would be awesome. All right. So once again, I want to thank you for being on the show. And I hope thank that you. your this book reaches astronomical numbers. Um, I hope that you touch over a million people. Or at least as long as you touch 10, you touch 10 people, that'll touch 100 people, and then it'll multiply regardless of how, how long it takes. Right. Because we, right. we know this is a process with anything we do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I hope that you get all the social media intact and everything that you want to to promote and do everything else. Um, so I guess this is going to be the end of our episode now. So any last words you want to say? I don't think so. I feel, I feel like... I know you told me, like, don't feel like I talk too much, but I feel like I talk too much. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So once again, West Virginia Commonplace, thank you very much uh, for listening. And it was a pleasure having Julie Glenn on.